Hello and welcome to this interview special episode of Tech EU podcast. I am your host, Andrew Degler, and today's episode is a timely one in which Robin Wouters talks to Eric Demuth, the CEO of Bitpanda. So in case you have missed it, Bitpanda has just become the first Austrian unicorn startup. Even with my skepticism towards everything that's connected to cryptocurrencies and blockchain and that kind of crap, Bitpanda is a company to watch and certainly one to listen to. So let's get to it right away. Hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.U, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, uh, by the co-founder and CEO of a company called Bitpanda. His name is Eric Demut, and we are going to have a conversation about some news that actually broke today, which is that they raised $170 million at a $1.2 billion valuation, uh, which is quite extraordinary for a company, especially coming out of Austria. I'm giving away a lot of the news already, but... Maybe, Eric, you can give some uh, brief introduction of yourself and the company before we kick off the conversation. Yeah, hello, Robin. Thank you for the invitation. So, yeah, it's um, quite an intense phase right now, not because of the fundraising, but also I think uh, when when people know what industry we are in, so in the crypto space or digital asset space, then, um, yeah, this is like twice the twice the work right now because um, the past month have been crazy also in terms of volume and you know what's going on, but it's good you know it's good I can't complain. Yeah, so we'll talk about the the crypto and digital asset market and and the funding round etc at, at a later stage. But maybe just walk us through a bit of the history of the company. When was it founded? How was it founded? Who was it founded with? And most importantly, why was it founded? Okay, so. In 2013, when we were already in the crypto space, Paul Christian and I met. And, uh, you know, we even there, we realized, you know, it's just the end of 2013 and it's still super hard to buy, sell, trade cryptocurrency. You know, you had to send money abroad that got converted uh, into US dollar. And then, you know, you had to you had to do a limit order, market order. And I mean, most people don't know what these words even mean. And we said, you know, it has to be as, as, as easy as buying things online, like a web shop. So that was the very naive <laughs> uh, idea to build a web shop. The only problem there was you had to combine the, let's say, old or traditional financial world, so banks, and the new one that was at this point in 2014, then when we went live, it's like a wild west and doesn't really had a good image. So, Yeah. That was that was a challenge, but it turned out very very well uh, in the end, um, with a lot of ups and downs, a lot of challenges, a lot of sleepless nights. But um, Christian, Paul, and me, so we're three co-founders, then uh, managed to build a company and bootstrap it actually. So we are profitable now for over four and a half years. What we wanted to do now is to take our learnings from crypto. So you know, like you, you can you can even invest for two euros. In 24/7 trading, we want to bring it to more asset classes. So we started to do this with gold and silver, so like precious metals, two years ago. And uh, next month, we will start to do this with uh, fractional stocks. Um, that will be exciting because I think that could solve a lot of issues. Why we only have such a low rate of people owning stocks in Europe um, to have fractional and then also 24/7 trading. That will be a challenge, but I'm um, yeah excited. 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, as the name suggests, uh, when you started out, is more Bitcoin cryptocurrency trading. Uh, obviously, you know, you're now moving to to more of a sort of a general investment platform, um, I would say. But that, of course, comes with its own challenges. But the, because the regulation there is is also quite rigid in in, in a lot of markets. So I'm guessing when you started out, because you were based in Austria, it's not you know, like you picked Austria because it was uh, good for regulation. Uh, but of course, when you come out of Austria and you want to you know, address international markets, you have to school yourself quite quickly in all of those those aspects. Was that an easy journey for you? Yeah, I, th I think the I think the Austrian and um, and and German. I think both regulators. I mean, we're only in Austria, but I think both of them have the reputation to be very strict. One very, you know, if you if you can make it there, you can make it everywhere. I would say we had the plan from the beginning to go the fully regulated part, and as I said at the beginning you know the bridge between the old financial system and the new one you had to please the other ones you know the 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 banks so even before there was regulation in place we had to act like there was you know with all the kyc and so on that means at the beginning we grew not so fast as other companies in the crypto space but on, on the long run it uh, it was a good decision and now this is actually something we made uh, several years ago our usp that we say we always want to be the number one in Europe, especially when it comes to regulation, with ev doing everything properly, with licenses. So there we have a really big department, just uh, legal people that have a lot of expertise just doing this. And, and I think this is paying out well or, you know, like we are benefiting right now from this, I think. Yeah. Can you put some rough numbers to that? Like what percentage of the company is is working on legal versus, you know, engineering development? Um, it, it really depends. So... If you put legal and compliance in one basket, then it's probably around 10% of the company, which is quite a lot, you know? It is, yeah. And then, of course, you have uh, you have uh, the operational part. I mean, and developers, we, will, uh, we are currently opening new offices. So um, we started last year in Krakow and then now in um, Berlin, London. Paris, Madrid, and Barcelona, we are also opening a new tech hub. We have a huge demand of developers because there are so much, yeah, so many products in the in the, in the roadmap that yeah, it's, I can uh, imagine. it's insane sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm actually interested because of the pandemic, there's a, there's a whole sort of shift to, to hiring remotely rather than, mm -hmm. than setting up tech hubs. You're still very much going into the direction of setting, setting up yeah. local hubs in different countries. Uh, why is yes. that? I can tell you why. This is actually a very good question. I was addressing this. We posted a blog post today, and I was uh, actually addressing this. It has the reason of culture, because when you look at the news uh, in the past years of many scale-ups and, and big companies, big tech companies, many of them have quite a problem with their internal culture. And what we see right now, so uh, we have more than doubled uh, the company within the corona times within corona times um that is a huge challenge because that means most of our team have never met they have never seen each other so and then you have agile systems you know um you have you have teams that a few weeks they work together and the other week they work together they, they don't they, they don't know each other um so it's very important to have a proper culture and i think this is why you need to have a good office environment, 
a great uh, headquarter where everybody feels you know welcome it's not like a bunker or something uh, so you need to offer both both things you need like a home office solution but you need to bring people together and i think the cultural aspect especially when we when we probably be let's say let's say 600 people at the end of the year we're right now at a bit over 350 360 that is another big, big challenge. And we can run into cultural problems because things change, a lot of different people come in, and that is very dangerous. So I think, and this is why we also um, decided to build a completely new office, so like a really nice big headquarter in Vienna. Um, it should be the hub, you know, like where people can come together with a great rooftop terrace and so on. I'm not talking about a playground or something, you know, but really where you can actually get together and, and, and shape a culture together because this is super, super important. It's not just all about products. Yeah. Well, looking forward to, uh, to visiting the, the new office in Vienna yes, someday please. when we could travel again. And then um, just let, let's take take uh, take us back to to September last year, um, sort of the middle of the pandemic at that point, uh, a few months in, uh, when you raised the fifty two million dollar round uh, led by Valar Ventures as well. What was the situation? That what brought you to to sort of you know closing that funding round? And and you had one point three million users at the time. I think I if yes. I read correctly. Yes. Yeah. So. We actually, I said at the beginning that we are profitable for over four and a half years now, and that hasn't changed. So, but what changed a bit was our strategy. So we decided 2019, end of 2019, that we want to go into the more mainstream and, you know, like uh, be the investment um, platform for literally everybody in Europe. So we have to go beyond crypto. And that means we had to go also into stocks and so on. And, and this is a very difficult topic, not only resource-wise, but also regulatory-wise. And resource-wise, we, we knew we had to go um, simultaneously into different markets and also have a lot of new talent joining us. And this is why we decided to do this round. And Speed Invest, we, we, we know them here in Vienna for a long time. They helped us. You know, they helped us. Um, make all the intros because we were new to this whole fundraising game. This is this is actually uh, this is actually its own game, you know. And 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 I and I have to tell you, I don't like to do this too often. Um, it's distracting a lot. It takes a lot of resources. So, I mean, we're in a comfortable position where we don't really, you know, like we don't really have the run rate. But I cannot imagine doing this every year, like several times. Oh. That is distracting you a lot from the from actually from actually work, you know, like internally, you know, what the culture thing is, also building products. So yeah, um, and 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 this straight, uh, change of strategy brought us to the yeah fundraising part, and then once you are there, you're hooked uh, when you have good investors, and it's and and the impact was 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 insane. I mean, uh, we got great new partnerships, a lot of. Big players approach us. They, you, you're, you're taking, you're, you're getting, you know, like seen differently. People take you more seriously. You get a lot more applications from people. Uh, so the hiring path is actually going into a better direction or is improving. So it has a lot of positive in, in, uh, impacts. So um, yeah, I think uh, it was a good decision. Yeah, it's a great answer. Uh, but I think also from your investors' perspective, I mean, they they back you with with a fifty two million dollar round in September, and then of course the following months, uh, the the whole crypto trading uh, 
market itself just, just explodes. I remember in December, especially when when Bitcoin started started having its rally. That must have been an incredible boon for you as well. But from so from an investor perspective, I can sort sort of understand that then they want to double down on that investment and see, you know, how much more can we contribute to to fueling that fire? Is that the way it went down? They wanted more, you know. They wanted no. more. <laughs> no, no. The greedy bastard. Um, no, no. So, so um, we are in a comfortable position uh, where where all the numbers look really, really good, and we can actually decide who we take on, who we bring on board, and so on. And this is actually why we decided, you know, let's continue. You know, like with with Valar, they are insanely great guys. They have a track record for a reason. They are very, very helpful. They are big door openers. They have a lot of expertise. So for us to finish this round, even in the bull run right now, was so much better and easier because we saved a lot of time like this. Because uh, very, very early on, we knew uh, we wanted we wanted to do it with them again. So, But I think that didn't really answer the question. I think you asked something differently, but I can't remember yeah, what it was. That, <laughs> I was asking if that's the reason why Valar actually sort of doubled down. Because you grew from 1.3 to 2 million users oh, yeah. in, in only six months, which is... You know, it's relatively insane, right? Yeah, this, I mean, this, uh, the onboarding, but not only that, also the volume. Uh, I mean, really, we actually could use 200 people more right now. <laughs> but it sounds yeah. very stressful to me, to be honest. It is very stressful, but it's also very, you know, it's a lot, also a lot of fun. And what is great about this company and why I love the team so much. And this is not just standard blah, blah. And I really, really mean that is these guys all have uh, one, one thing in common. They love what they're doing and they believe in the same thing and they all show ownership and without ownership. And if you treat this like a normal nine to five job, then especially in a bull run where things overnight happen, you know, like <sighs> server issues or whatever it is, you know, they, they always there. But you you don't have to you don't have to ask them. They are there because they have ownership, and this is so so great. And this is why everything is so much more fun, even if it's stressful. I mean, at least from from my side, I can only speak for myself. So. Yeah, but that's also probably why this investment in culture from the early days it really pays off in the in the long run, I guess. Yeah, um, I think so. But now I think this is going into the next challenge, and and I have a lot of respect of what is coming for us. You know, uh, because I heard a lot of challenging stories from other founders in in, in that stage um so we wanted to tackle this from you know from the beginning so we don't run into problems yeah um in the press release announcing the new round you made it very clear that you've now become austria's first uh, unicorn mm -hmm. um what i'm wondering is that important to you at all um you could be honest if you would have asked me one or two years ago i would have told you no i probably did tell this Jerry, but once this thing comes up and it's actually a milestone that you celebrate um, and here actually in Austria they celebrate it a lot because they always wanted to uh, you know also the government they tried and, and the whole infrastructure here they wanted to make Vienna a city where actually big companies or big startups can grow so I think this is also a success for them to see that this is possible. Well, years ago, everybody said, if you want to go big, you have to leave Austria. And I think this is why this is a big thing. And I personally don't ever really 
celebrate milestones, which is maybe not a good thing, but I really can't. It, 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 it doesn't feel right to me. But this time I'm actually happy. So this time I'm actually saying like, yeah, okay, guys, we can look back. This is a great thing that even motivates everybody even more. So yeah, this is, this is why I think um, we did it a bit more great. intensely, let's say it like this. Great. Uh, well, let's go back to the product roadmap for a bit. You mentioned you want to sort of democratize uh, investments uh, through your platform in basically uh, anything as much as you can. But mm -hmm. does also mean you you plan to diversify into maybe, I don't know, banking services or, or loans or insurance? Or do you want to stick to sort of the investment side of things? It's a nice try. Even if I would, I can't tell you right now. Let's stick to the stuff we have, we have already announced. The interesting part here, the, the democratizing of finance, which everybody uses right now, and um, I hate buzzwords and phrases, is a very special one because I think you cannot talk about democratizing if you just build a great new interface. But in the end, you also need money to you know get access to all the cool stuff. If you just remember or look at things like... Um, an Amazon stock, how much one Amazon stock is. That means by far the majority of, of the population cannot put this in their stocks portfolio if they want to start trading. So how is that democratizing? You know, if you just make it one button and then and then it's there, yeah, but you can't really afford it. So you have to go somewhere else, you know, some in, in some other titles, although you love Amazon, you believe in the story or whatever. And this is why we started to do fractional uh, uh, with our stocks offering in 2021 and not in end of 2019, where we actually, or middle of 2019, we actually had the plan because we wanted to solve this and take all the learnings from cryptocurrency um, there. So what we want to do is everything that has value will be treated in the same way, in a digitized way. Um, so for example, the card, and this is a lot of advertising, I'm sorry, but, 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 the card we brought, uh, we released last month, is set exactly set up exactly like this. Doesn't matter what you have on the platform. You can connect your your Euro wallet, your your Bitcoin, your even your physical gold, and next month you can um, just link your Tesla stocks to this card, and then you can pay your beer directly without you having anything to do. It's done automatically with Tesla stocks or with gold. Whatever you want. So everything that has value will be treated in the same way. And this is this is the idea behind what we have. Yeah. And this is what we are currently doing. Great. Well, it would be interesting to watch. A uh, bit of a difficult question for you. Get ready. Hmm. You're in the momentum right now. You're, you're riding a wave. What could possibly happen to ensure that your company fails or at least that you have a big drop-off in business? What are some of the things that can go horribly wrong? Hmm. I mean... You can always sabotage yourself and jump off the surfboard. But I think the biggest external factor that doesn't really break us, but can slow us down and slowing a fintech down or a tech company down is a big issue. This is it's all about speed and user experience, these two things. So I really hope that the European regulators are smart in a way that they see the potential of this and not let um, the US guys take over everything. Um, currently, it looks good, but you never know, you know? Yeah, it's actually a good question to ask. Do you actually engage with those European regulators to make sure that they understand the market and that they understand the needs of scale-ups like yourselves? 
Yeah, I think there are many people um, talking to in uh, you know at in in, in Brussels uh, with them, but for us, it is uh, a lot of talking, a lot of meetings, a lot of interacting with the Austrian regulator, and I'm very very happy that they you know they also improved and changed and actually built a fintech squad. So yeah, they understood that time is essential for us. This is pretty much our currency. <laughs> this is our fuel, not currency, our fuel. Yeah, so we talk a lot with them. And in the end, what comes from the EU is uh, pretty much always a guideline. And then um, the countries have to put it into national law. And there they have a lot of room and in, 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 in interpretation. So. Yeah, to maneuver. Okay, I have two more questions that are sort of not related to Bitpanda directly. Um, one is the incredible rise of NFTs. And because you're in the crypto mm. digital asset space, I'm sure you have an opinion on all of this and I would love to hear it. <sighs> Yeah, the thing is with NFT, I'm so long in this industry that, that you see so much stuff. I think it was inevitable that this happens. I was actually thinking more about, you know, that slowly in a more subtle way, art is getting, getting on the blockchain or digitized. Yeah, but now it comes in a bull run with a lot of boom and a lot of noise. Let's, let's, let's see how things settle down in a few months. It won't go away, but honestly, I have no idea in what direction it will go. I have really no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I really can't properly answer you this question. That's fine. But have you bought any NFTs yourself? Um, no, this is like, I'm, no, this is well, because everything that is with trading, with trading involved needs a lot of time if you actively do it. So, uh, for example, I have my uh, crypto index. So, you know, I have this and then it automatically rebalances every month and then i don't miss the altcoins but yeah apart from that no because active trading needs a lot of time yeah i think that's the clearest answer you could give to that question that you haven't bought any yourself yet then final question uh this is a really broad question but uh, i'm not as familiar with the austrian startup ecosystem as i used to be do you actively engage with that as well and what do you think the future holds for austria that is a good question thank you yeah of course we engage with uh, with uh, several companies of course and I'm very happy that the whole infrastructure and the whole scene is growing because this is helping us as well. For example, there is a block pit we are working together with. Um, they are doing a tax solution for, for trading, for crypto especially. Um, and there are a lot of companies that have actually been established in the past, quite recently, in the past few years, that also have a lot of fintech aspects. Um, I think technological wise, there's a lot, there's a lot, I think that will come up, but yeah, it's, it's always a matter how, how, how much you can really cooperate. I don't think many, if you, if you also think on other communities or let's say other countries, startups usually do not cooperate too much with each other. I think, I think we have much more partnerships running and ongoing with uh, let's say established institutions or you know like co corporates let's let's call the corporates yeah okay that was my final question i can't thank you enough for your time especially on a day like today uh, congratulations <laughs> on the funding round and the valuation austria's first unicorn it is an achievement so congrats for that thank you very much and i uh, hope to see you then in, in summer after we all get vaccinated Yes, fingers crossed. Thank you so much, yes. Eric, and best of luck with the company. Thank you very much. Have a good one. You too. 
And this is it for our today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, follow us today wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if that place has a possibility to rate and review the show, please do that as well. Our audio engineering is done by SoundPulse, that is sound-pulse.com. Your questions, suggestions, and opinions are very welcome. Always send them to podcast at tech.eu or reach out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere, really. This was TechEU Podcast. I am Andre Degler, and I will talk to you again in a couple of days on our normal show. For now, take care and enjoy the rest of your week. Bye-bye.